What's we the name of the podcast? Hood rat to head rap. You know what I'm talking Hood rat to head rap. Um, so we're not gonna say the name anymore. Why? Because we just kept saying it. Oh, it's too much now. <laughs> the brain remains arrested. Step back, refocus, take a breath. Lord. Step back, refocus, take a breath. Lord. Step back, refocus, take a breath. Lord. Uh, uh, yeah, uh. Oh, it's your boy. Mr. Cold-Blooded and Downright Funky from that deep east side of Oakland. If you don't know, then guess what? You can't go, even if you're already there and you live in the Diamond District and you bought your house, you know, for, for $500,000 from a grandmother um, who's who's no longer able to afford her rent and had her home uh, taken through the foreclosure process by Bank of America unsuccessfully. Wells Fargo. Um, or Wells Fargo. Um, and now you do know because you now live there due to a series of unfortunate events compounded by housing discrimination and racism in the United States. So and you have a sign in the front of your house that says Black Lives Matter yeah, and just, fuck Trump. Just to kind of commemorate yeah. like the, the house you stole. Who used to yeah. live there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, welcome to Hood Rat to Head Rap. Welcome to Hood Pronouns he him. Head rap. What are your pronouns? He him. All right, do you welcome blood who are you? This is Erica Hart, your favorite black queer Sagittarius sex educator who you do not want to pay on time or at all or invite to events, but you want to use her work and steal it all over the internet and say that you came up with it on your own. Welcome. Uh, pronouns? <laughs> she, they. Got it. Get it right or pay the price. What's the price? Nothing. Why? It's fine. You can say it wrong. It don't matter. You just, whatever you want to do. I feel a way. I feel a way. My pronouns right. are she, they. Get it right and get it right. That's it. Get it right and get it tight. So we wanted to start this podcast holding space for Roxana Hernandez, and who was murdered in immigration custody. And any other person that is suffering right now due to immigration in this country mm -hmm. um, or who has lost their life that we do not know about. Roxana Hernandez was a trans woman traveling from Honduras. So we wanted to hold space for her. Yeah, as well as the 5,000 people who were killed in Puerto Rico that yes. got very little press um, about at all. Yeah. Um, and Charlene Carruthers, who is the... Head of BYP 100 talked about how mind-boggling it is that a country that has all of this money and all of these resources just at its, you know, disposal, disposal is not supporting Puerto Rico, their their own territory, and that's how they're referred yeah. at all. Yeah. They do not care. Um, well, it's consistent with being referred to as a territory. Totally. And not part of the quote-unquote union, totally. which is what the conglomeration of states in the United States is referred to. Yeah. So you're a territory, a commonwealth. Ain't yeah, that what they call the commonwealth. It? Yeah. And that's how they refer to it. And that's how they, they relate to it. And they just do not. And that's how they treat people there. Yeah. Like so, so much to the point where they lied and said it was only 60 people that were murdered. Mm. And then, you know, other publications had to come out and say, actually, that's not the case. Yes. So it's gross. And we just want to hold space for those who are mourning right now and... You know, 
that just I can't even imagine the amount of care that would be needed losing someone in immigration custody or losing someone to a natural disaster both of which require uh, government involvement and mm-hmm. nothing being done about it yeah like i just can't the amount the morning looks different i believe and the deaths being completely racialized yeah and completely due to race and gender bias and yep. discrimination yep. literally yeah absolutely directly like fatalistic white supremacist patriarchy and anti-immigrant xenophobia and transphobia. Well, I think that's redundant. I How? think white supremacy is fatal. True, it, yeah. white supremacy is fatal. But people don't relate to it. People relate to it as a word, as a buzzword. Well, they this, relate to it as a term. They well, don't that's what this podcast effect. episode is all about. Right? Really. They don't relate to the the results or the consequences of white supremacy. Yeah. They relate to it as some type of a person. Actually, a it's person. a word or a person. It's mm-hmm. Trump. It's the you know the people that marched in Charlottesville. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you know the racist person at the bodega in New York yelling you know racist slurs at a Mexican person. Like that's white supremacy. Yeah. But it's not you know. A white person shooting up a school that that is not white supremacy. No, that, that's not. That's that's mental illness. Yes, right. You know, Puerto Rico being without any sort of resources for a very long time, well before Hurricane Maria, is not white supremacy. That's just wrong. Right. That shouldn't be happening. People dying in in immigration custody is our immigration and politics are messed up. That's not white supremacy. Right. Or a whole community of people in Tulsa, Oklahoma, being bombed and pretty much burned to the ground mm-hmm. uh, affluent uh, black middle class community. In the 1920s. Yeah, being burned to the ground. That actually wasn't called or talked about inside of white supremacist rhetoric. At all. They talking about some neo-Nazis and some fascists. Yep. Or some Trump. But they and the, the fear, the fear around it too is always like, I'm worried about Nazis. But it's like, I don't know. I just feel like black pain can never be, it's never honored. It's just never honored. No, it's not. Honored. People don't care. No. Um, and if you don't know what happened in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I'll give you a quick our history lesson. We just fact. gonna give y'all a quick history lesson. It was actually very difficult for me to read, um, but basically, in there was a community in Tulsa, Oklahoma that was a very affluent middle class black neighborhood. Black it Wall was Street, essentially, what was called Black Wall Street, mm-hmm. um, but it was just a just an affluent black neighborhood. And you talk all the time about how we don't associate affluence with black people, but um, as early as the 1920s, and even, I think, earlier in Central Park in New York, mm-hmm. uh, there were instances of black people just putting all their coin together and creating communities um, and living together. Yeah. Um, and creating commercial centers and businesses and everything that a black person would need and wouldn't be able to get from the mainstream racist society, the town that they lived in. They just created it for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and literally, like, in the middle of the night, a whole bunch of white people, like a white mob, came um, into this, you know, town in this particular black neighborhood, and they burned it down, and they killed people, and they um, literally obliterated every single trace of the neighborhood and the businesses in it. Yeah. And people lost everything. The black people who lived there lost everything. Um, and I would hear about this, you know, sometimes you'd be at like a community center or you'll hear a hotepi in person mention it like, yeah, we have black wall streets and, you know, they'll mention it like, yeah, we used to have our own communities and now we don't do it would be inside of some like 
anti-blackness. Mm-hmm. People would mention it. Uh, so I never really I never knew. heard of this. I didn't know honestly. it was true. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it was true. And then I got a book like a couple of years ago from um, one of my friends, Ty's father's house. Um, and it was all about Tulsa, Oklahoma. It was all mm-hmm. about um, the neighborhood inside of Oklahoma. And um, it, it's just crazy as fuck. I think the neighborhood was called Greenwood. It was a Greenwood, the Greenwood District in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, and it happened in May 1921. Um, and NPR just recently did an article about the last surviving witness mm-hmm. to that who was only six, six years, years old, old when it happened. And she said um, her family owned the salon and it got burned to the ground and she had to hide underneath the table. Uh, with her sisters as people came inside of her house and stole all their jewelry and all their money and pretty much like destroyed their home while she was under the table. Yeah. So when people say things like times like these, it makes us want to vomit. Yeah. Because times like these have always happened and then they get erased from history because I have never heard of that. Yeah. I've never heard of the story. Um, And then a thing like NPR releases it and talks about it as if it wasn't genocide. No, no. They're talking about it like, oh, the last surviving witness of the... Mm -hmm. It has no type of... A a cause for or a request for reparations. NPR could use their big-ass platform and be like, actually, this needs reparations right now. Mm -mm, Because people just want to start a conversation. Just have a conversation. I just want to talk to you. We just want to start a conversation. I just want to hear your opinion about this. We just want to lift up and amplify your voice Just listen to my opinion, Eb. Like, hear me out. Yeah. You know? Like, hear what I'm saying. Right. And then what do I do after I hear what you're saying? Nothing. Right. So, and my last point about Mm -hmm. Tulsa is that actually this, the last surviving witness, um, Olivia Hooker, who is now 103, she joined, she got a doctorate. She lived her life. You know how black films be popping up. You know, went through hella trauma. She didn't got a doctorate, was a part of the Coast Guard, lived a great life. It's still currently alive. Um, She was, she formed uh, what was called the Tulsa Race Riot Commission in 1997 to investigate the massacre and make a case for reparations. Um, That was in 1997. Black people at their own behest from that particular community made a case for reparations and it was denied. (laughs) It was a massacre that happened of black people. Um, another massacre. Another. Another. Another one. one. On this soil. Yeah. Another one, and it was denied. Yeah. And while we talk about neo Nazis, this was you know probably a decade or so before the beginning of World War Two. Yeah. So I mean, just just, just that's just for context. Just for context. All right, y'all. Yep. Um. So with that said, we self care. Self-care is insanely important, especially amongst black folks. And one form of self-care that I use is masturbation. Same. It is? With near constant. Oh, dear Lord. Your tea. Yeah, that yes. is it. But it's in general. In general. You are a, a high masturbator. Yeah. Is that how I say that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's Olympic. real. And a place that could actually, that could support you in... You know, your masturbator efforts, masturbatory, masturbatory efforts um, is a place like Pleasure Chest. And Pleasure Chest has all types of toys. You could use a vibrating toy. You can use a penetrative toy. You can use a BDSM style toy. You can buy 
porn that is generally speaking much better always better than whatever is free on the internet and also with net neutrality what will you be able to get on the internet that's porn so you can buy your porn um the check repeal out- on net neutrality which took into effect this month but there's hella pushback so it's not really happening erica's telling me not to thank go you into a hole. yes because we got to shout out pleasure chest um, you can find Pleasure Chest in Chicago, New York, and LA. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and online, you can buy stuff online. You don't even have to leave your bed. You can get it shipped to your apartment and just continue doing whatever it is that feels good for your body. Highly suggest it. Highly recommend it. You know I'm a sex educator, so if you have more questions about this, absolutely positively hit me up. Maybe I'll do a live or something about sex. Do you really think? I guess sometimes I feel like inside of trauma and inside of like all the fucked up shit happening in the world like me even just talking about Tulsa and then being like self care you can masturbate like do you I don't know sometimes I just feel like it's not an effective means by which for black folks to deal with trauma I mean but what I was wondering the other day (laughs) because weathering you know weathering is the 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 theory that black bodies is black bodies in general go through so much trauma that is a kid that's not necessarily seen mm-hmm. but ages our body mm-hmm. so black mothers die at higher rates from pregnancy than white women because of their experiences with racism mm-hmm. right and it ages them mm-hmm. so i was wondering how can i find out how much my body has weathered Right. It's like when the person dies, they'll say, oh, you know, her body, whether it was she was she was technically 58. Yeah. Even though she was, you know, in numbers, 36. Right. Does that make sense? Yes. She was by by her weather body was 60. But like her, you know, I guess birth body, if you will. Yeah. Or biological body. I don't know how this Mm -hmm. works. um, Was like 35. Yeah. So I'm wondering how you could find stuff like that out so you can know how to take care of your body and what's going to help reset it and heal it. So I don't know that there's one way. So I think masturbation is a way to self-care, take care of yourself. But I also think laying in the bed for 15 minutes is also a great thing to do as well. Like not being bothered by anything else, just laying there and being still. Right. Or eating ice cream or having some like having an alcoholic beverage or going to yoga or going to acupuncture or getting a massage or having sex or getting your head rubbed. There's lots of things that you could do. You know, I don't there's no one way to self-care. But as a sex educator, I think masturbation is a great way to self-care. I think sometimes I'll do it, but I won't do it inside of I'm taking care of myself. So maybe if my intention around masturbation shifts, mm-hmm. um, then I can kind of get those benefits. I just think that like the condition and the state of the world makes me so, um, I won't even say cynical because cynicism is not the right word. Cynicism is not sufficient to describe the onslaught of racial violence that we that I experience among other systems of oppression every day. Mm-hmm. So it's like I don't know. I guess I just I I can eat so little eat so little joy out of life sometimes mm. because of the state of the world. Um, I just I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, is it sufficient? Am I really joyful? You know what I mean? Like, am I experiencing joy? How do I know I'm experiencing joy? Is it joy fleeting? Is it a, is it a choice that I make? Is joy like a conscious decision? Well, that's like what trauma does, right? It has you question all of it, all the even the good times, even the good times, mm-hmm. even the shit that's popping, mm-hmm. like sitting up there, you know, with my little, you feel me out, doing what we do. You feel me out. 
With What's our your hand. little fill me? Oh, with your little your fill me out is your hand. My little, you know what I mean? The five fingers of fury. You know what I'm saying? Like? <laughs> I don't think you have to fun. think about it being self care, and that will make it self care. I think you could just. <laughs> I think you could just do. You're a Gemini, so it's just all about thinking. Let me just think it, and then it'll be that. Yes, and that, hey, thoughts become things. The secret, okay? You know what I'm Bye, goodbye. Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Oh man, shall y'all. we jump? We haven't even started the podcast. We this haven't. Is all the beginning. But I'm gonna just have to let y'all know that we just. It's just. Well, to bring back the conversation about white supremacy real quick is like, what else is not considered white supremacy? is like everyday white people like Mm -hmm. just everyday like just a byproduct of white people's conditioning to white supremacy and to whiteness just Mm -hmm. by virtue of their whiteness and being conditioned to be racist like how can you at once say that yes i'm white and therefore like i am just conditioned to whiteness you know and benefit unfairly from it and then on the other hand like align yourself with other white people that are fucked up but under the guise of like diversity and inclusion or like pride month or doing some nice you know what i mean like i don't know Mm. you get what i'm saying like no what are you saying it's just that i feel like there is trump and this this sort of covert white supremacy or racism from other white people the villainous the really disgusting ones got you has become like some point of reference or some way for uh, just everyday white people to distance themselves like the shit that they do on a regular basis and that they say on a regular basis it's not fucked up well i say i think had i say this on the last podcast if i did i'm repeating myself right now but that but that you know i think i did on the last podcast is that the upper east side has white people and you know that the upper yes. east side has white people did i say this the last yes, podcast yeah, or somewhere and people else? don't question it and people don't question it right well i was looking at the ceo of starbucks and it's like the ceo of starbucks is stepping down today who cares and i had a thought maybe the ceo of starbucks is black no the ceo of starbucks you is had white. a thought i just had a thought like what if like maybe they're black like, what if they're black? No, they're not black. And even your face shows that, like, why would they be black? Yeah. But th- th- that's the thing. Like, why would they be black? Because the country is founded on white supremacy. If you have the job that you have, this whole, like, cool startup that you've beginning and, like, you just have a little bit of money and you're not really sure how you're going to, like, bring people in, but you have a startup and you're making money from it and you're white, it, that is a function of white supremacy. <laughs> There's right. lots and lots and lots and lots of black people who have ideas like coffee shops that cannot get them off the ground because they can't get a fucking loan to uh, for their space. Yeah. That is a that's a problem. That's mm-hmm. that's called white supremacy. It's always white supremacy. Yeah, so like, while we know that, there are other white people who will have that knowledge and they will st- it was it will like because the knowledge that this is the thing the knowledge don't mean shit it's cool right now to have the knowledge mm-hmm. it's cool right now to say white supremacy it's cool to say misogyny it's cool to say feminism it's cool to say intersectional feminism and it doesn't mean jack shit it's cool to sit on a panel and talk hella ba 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 but then when it comes to your own business when it comes to what you need to do to make a difference on the planet when it comes to sitting on said panel and actually talking about 
where the fuck are the black people on this panel? And we're talking about intersectional feminism or even before you get there, when people ask you, you as a white person, if you're going to sit on a panel and you're not saying, Hey, why are you asking me and not some other black educator? That is the issue. But right now what's cool is to just take the opportunity, take the money and say all the things that black people have already created or experienced. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's a mind fuck. It's a mind fuck. And then those white people are congratulated. Mm-hmm. They are doing the cool shit. Mm-hmm. It's just like pride. It's no different. This is supposed to be our pride episode. I don't know why. Ebony, Ebony's brain drives me nuts because he like jumps all over the place and I have to like follow him. <laughs> follow me. So he started at the end of the podcast. So I hope y'all following y'all here with us. You in this. Follow but me. it's just like pride and that pride began as a protest that's why pride started right by black trans people black trans women and femmes marsha p johnson said we are having a motherfucking protest we are turning up y'all are not going to treat us this way right sylvia rivera and sylvia rivera and now and now pride is this march that's capitalist that has all of these huge name brands right Mm -hmm. all these huge consumer brands and white people are congratulated for keeping it going. Mm-hmm. It's like you have to tell people that pride was started by two people of color, two trans people of color. You have to remind them that it was a protest because what white folks have done is they've completely erased it and put all of this capitalist money in it. You'll have to remind pride organizers. Oh, you have to totally in remind cities like of the big parade in, City. Ma- in New York City. You'll, You'll have, have to remind, to remind New York City pride. Like, they hey. don't care. They don't care. People do not care. Miss me with the rainbows and the flags and the and whatever else that we've come up with to capitalize on pride. Miss me with all of it. It's all a ruse. It's all a ruse. And that's why I say, do not, if you're a person of color, be careful marching at pride. I think so I support you. I support black and people of color whenever they want to do something. Just do whatever you want to do and don't care. I'm rarely ever going to critique what people of color and black people do unless you do something stupid like this is America. Right. <laughs> you have a major platform. Or you platform. put Whitney, uh, oh, right. or you're pushing T and you take space like that. But just know that you your body is something that's always policed if you don't already know that and you don't already experience that and in a space like pride you are still not safe and white folks i swear to god if you call the police on people of color and black people at pride i'm just gonna lose my fucking mind if you're an organizer and you think that because people are disrupting pride it's a problem you've forgotten what pride meant you forgot you've completely forgotten it you don't care you don't care because it's off to put more money in your undeserving pocket. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. But then it's not really crazy. It's just all consistent with the way the world works. Well, what do you suggest? For? <laughs> For talking about this, like the ways in which white supremacy works, where it's even now, it's, it, it's, you know, it's cool in the same ways that it's cool to talk about white supremacy and it's cool to talk about feminism, all this social justice jargon. It's cool to talk about it, but never do anything. It's the same in the month of June. People talk, 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 talk about LGBTQ this and rainbow that and literally do nothing for the folks who are most impacted inside of that community. 
I think people make con- people beyond making concessions in order to participate inside of capitalism and to make sense of it such that you can participate without guilt. I think people are just really, really comfortable um, with it's almost like people care and are comfortable with caring, but they care looks a certain way mm-hmm. like. It's literally, I don't know how people call black people victims. Like, I see people on the internet like, I want black people to stop talking about racism and slavery. It's over, and I'm tired of this victim bullshit. And I'm like, white people literally show the most outrage and indignation about issues of injustice in the world Mm -hmm. and have all the social capital and leverage and privilege institutionally to do something about it and don't. You could say that again. They just be like, I, and that's that's what I think about. It's like with pride, it's like you can have pride function as a corporate sponsored march without ever acknowledging that it was a protest started by black and brown, queer and trans people. And those same people who are going to come and protest your pride, you arrest them. Yeah, but then you'll have white people on social media talking about, oh my God, I can't believe they did that. I no, do not support. But those are the same white people who go to the go to Pride and then are upset that there's a protest. That's okay. what happened in Oklahoma last year. All those white people were like, get them out of here. But then they'll be the same ones on the internet. They won't be the same ones on the internet, though, babe. No, they won't because it's cool. It's all it's all right. cyclic, right? It's all a cycle. Yes. It's cool. It's the same people who were outraged about Trump, and then guess who got elected? And guess who's still president? But y'all are outraged. Why is he still president if it's so much outrage? Why is there... I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I just... I'm irritated. I'm just irritated. I just feel like it's... It's like white people benefit no matter whether they're on the right or in the left. That was so good. No matter where white people fall on the spectrum, their outrage is going to be validated and authenticated in the eyes of the world and nobody else's. Yeah. And they have the actual institutional power to change something, but they just won't. And, and they I'm not created gonna, it. And I'm, then they created and it. And it was, crea- it was created for their benefit. But it was, but whiteness was created. It was created by them. Yes. It Racism was created by white people. Race was created by white people. And now you're outraged by your own creation. That don't make no sense. It's gaslighting. It's, it is. Mm-hmm. It's literally gaslighting. Don't do that. But it's okay to be out. It's okay to it's be okay outraged. It's okay to be outraged, but do something about it. It's okay. And <laughs> I'm just like, is that the function of the internet? Like, is it something about, that's why I was asking you the other day. Is, the, is, it that, is that the nature of the internet where it's like, you get certain things become buzzwords. White supremacy and intersectionality become buzzwords and they become unrecognizable. Their actual definition becomes so distant from what it actually means. Mm. Like intersectionality literally is just exclusively talking about black femmes. Right. And how they're impacted by systems of oppression at the inter- at their intersection of race and gender. And now it means everything and for everybody. Yeah. And when people talk about that, it's like nothing. All right, let's bring this down to a little bit more story time, right? So we were in Provincetown this weekend, um, and we had some interesting experiences. I was there speaking at Women of Color Weekend, um, which was beautiful. And Women of Color Weekend is a part of, or it's inside of the Pride like weekend in Provincetown. 
which if you don't know, Provincetown is off the coast of Massachusetts. It is a peninsula. I did not know that. thought it was an island, a part of Cape Cod. And it is known as the white gay man, cis man Mecca. Yes. Like, I have always heard about Provincetown, um, especially when I was um, married to a white person. Like, they talked about Provincetown a lot. Like, that was the place to go. So we went, and it was interesting. Like, Boston was... Boston is just hella racist. I feel like Boston is, like, the equivalent And Boston is, like, the city that you have to go through to get to Cape Town. Yeah. Get to Cape Town, Jesus Christ. Get to Cape Cod. Where are you at? What you mean? In Cape Town. Right. (laughs) Um... It's hell. I've never. I feel like I've been to so many places in the world that's racist. San Francisco, including including one very racist. Mm-hmm. But Boston is like I've never experienced racism like Boston before. Yeah. Like I, it's almost like. Don't talk about the South. Talk about. Talk about Boston, Boston then Alabama. Yeah, so like good. go in that order. <laughs> like don't ever talk shit about the South no more. Go to Boston. Right. So outside of the Women of Color Weekend, which was beautiful, and if you are in the Boston, New England area, I would invite you to check out this weekend because it's it's really, really great if you're a person of color. Um, but when you're outside of that space, which is all black, it's all, all black and wonderful, it's all white, literally. <laughs> Everybody is white in Provincetown, mm-hmm. <laughs> except for people at Women of Color Weekend. So it was a bit strange. It's something that happens to me as someone that has been, it grew up in predominantly white neighborhoods and has gone to predominantly white institutions as far as high schools and schools, uh, colleges and universities, is that white people will always compliment me on what I'm wearing, even if it looks a mess. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes they won't compliment they, They'll compliment me regardless But they'll compliment me always It's mm-hmm. always a compliment and I think To that, your outer appearance To my outer appearance And I think that's just because White people want, are, are so used to It's like it lives in their bodies And inside of dominance That they have to have Some sort of access to me yes. And that looks like Talking to me at all times yes. Even if it's just Oh I love your outfit And also touching you And touching me While they deliver Yes said the compliment. compliment So we are walking down the street And and this was the day that we got to Provincetown. So we were tired. It was like six o'clock. We just threw on some clothes. It was a little warm. We changed our clothes quick. We had traveling all day. It takes if we took a plane to Boston and then we took a ferry to Provincetown. Um, Provincetown. So we were tired. We looked a mess. Okay. I had a turtleneck like sweater on and like this black and white baggy ass skirt and some vans. A mess. Yes. We walk in the, and what you have on him? A t-shirt? Just a, what I normally wear. What's that? Like a white tee with some white socks. No Merrells though. No Merrells everyone. Had no there were no Merrells. But I was just, I was looking like I had some Adidas Sambas on, you know, some slight. Something Not too major. <laughs> sure. And we're walking down the street and this host of this restaurant is like, oh my God, you guys are slay, slaying. Slay, furious, I fabulous. love this outfit, like cannot. I was like, what? I was like, we. I was like, are you kidding me? I was like, we live in New York. I'm like, I guess because we live in New York. Like, I don't know. We like what? Woke, just rolled out of bed and we really we sleep did. in these clothes. Right, these are play clothes. Like, what is happening? And this is this is the thing in 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 Provincetown. And someone told us this is that 
most of the people who work in the back of the houses of restaurants in Provincetown are Jamaican immigrants. Mm-hmm. The people that work in the front of house are Russian immigrants and people that live in Miami and they'll come to Provincetown just for the summer, just to work. To work. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jamaican immigrants live there for the most part or they live in Boston and they also come to work, but they never work in the front of the house. So if you remember, Eb, most of the people, most of the restaurants we went to always had white people serving us. Oh, absolutely. Or always had, or a white passing person. Mm-hmm. Or the hostess was white. Every it, time. It was so, I just like, so violent. And then there was a situation where somebody was looking at me at people the restaurant. People looked at us all the time. All the time. And was we sitting at the table, white lady, you know. So me and Erica had this thing where it's like, don't say nothing. Don't say nothing, Ebony. Don't say nothing. White people staring at, I mean, we walking down the street, white people just staring at us. Mm-hmm. Staring, I mean, and I don't mean like a New York subway no. stare. Right. I mean like a full on fixated, intentional, like I'm fucking looking at you. I'm wanting you to make eye contact with me. I'm paying particular attention to you. Mm-hmm. Sitting down, this white lady keep looking at me and I got Erica voice in the back of my head of like, all right, don't say nothing because if I say something, then, you know, you know, maybe they're going to do something to me or whatever the fuck going on, like where I'm supposed to somehow protect myself in not responding but even though i'm being harmed so white lady keep look keep looking i had to look at her i had to yeah and i said hi <laughs> oh i'm so i was i'm sorry i actually was i wasn't staring at you i was just looking at her earring and it looks like a per is that your profile on the actual earring or like i wasn't staring at you i'm sorry i wasn't staring <laughs> I said, oh, okay. <laughs> Ebony, so this is this is where I thought we would start the podcast. I know Ebony just went in <laughs> at the I'm top irritated. of this. Ebony is irritated. So am I. And one thing that I've been working with my therapist on, I'm letting y'all in on some like top secret stuff. So just, you know, hold space right now. They'll steal that too. Yeah. I know. They will steal it. Like I, I, I was to talking therapist. to my therapist. And, and, like, and I, you know, I've had my double mastectomy. <laughs> <laughs> Like a black queer film. Ooh, y'all, if you um, do any sort of work on the, this is a side, but if you do any sort of work on the internet where you post your opinion or you have a podcast um, or maybe you just do stories where you post your opinion, just be mindful that people will literally steal it and claim it as their own. Mm-hmm. And that's something that has been happening to me a lot. And intellectual property is really, really hard to keep track of, but you know it when you see it stolen. So, and you know, a good friends of mine who have been on the internet for a very long time tried to warn me. Um, and I was like, Oh, it's cool. People are cool. People be sharing and resharing and citing me. And now they're not. So, <laughs> You know, yeah. not just a side note, just protect your stuff, protect your property. If you've noticed that we haven't talked on stories a lot, it's just because we've been noticing that people just kind of steal our shit and don't give us any credit. And that's not okay. Just give credit. Just give credit. You just cite Later, your all source. you have to do is cite your source. That's it. It's really not hard. And it's also really interesting the types of people. You have to think about mm-hmm. who's stealing. Mm-hmm. A lot of the times it's white people stealing. Yeah. It's but, a l- but that's not interesting. That's I already know that. No, like, it's a lot. No, that's not. In- <laughs> that's true. That's actually right. not interesting. But just think about the cost of stealing somebody's shit. Yeah. Especially if you're a white person, even if you are a light skinned person. Yeah. Whether you be black or PLC, especially if you're a non-black PLC person. Yeah. That's light skinned or non-black PLC period. And you're stealing the work of a black 
fit a black femme presenting person. Yeah. Especially, especially a black American person. Yeah. Black American. It's so many thoughts that I have about black American intellectual thought and like this emergence of black American intellectual thought or continuation of a long legacy of black intellectual thought around our experiences yeah. as descendants of slave or as people with a unique positionality in a country that was literally built on our enslavement mm-hmm. and counts on us to continue mm-hmm. and counts on the continued usage of our body is hella crazy as fuck when people on the internet still just it's just so crazy to me. It's not. It's, it's crazy to me when people on the internet steal shit, but it's also crazy to me. When they don't have the lived experience. When they don't have a lived experience or they discount who it came from. Mm-hmm. I feel like there is some just inside of hatred and bl- bl- anti-blackness. Anti-blackness is, is global, make no mistake. But there is a particular hatred for black American people. Yeah. There's a particular, there is. I've been learning that. There is. It is is vitriolic. It's yeah. It's vile. And it is it's its own brand. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, gotta be like an anti-black American rhetoric. Like, it was it, I mean, the dude from Get Out, the dude from Get Out, like um the main character, the one the black dude, mm-hmm. he's from the UK. And he like said in response to Samuel L. Jackson, probably like around the time the movie came out. Oh, I'm just so tired of everybody focusing on black Americans. I'm so tired of, you know, black Americans aren't the only type of black people. I'm paraphrasing heavily. Mm -hmm. But his point was that, you know, there's black people everywhere and that racism didn't just affect black Americans. Okay, so why are you making money off of Get Out? Get out of the damn movie. It's all about black American experience. So get out. Get out. Why you take why? Then if you don't want it to all be about black American black Americans, then don't take a role. Don't take that role. I just it, You taking it after the fact. Right. You taking it after you didn't make money off of it. And it right. went whatever. I'm saying movies went viral, Lord Jesus. Anyway, let me thank you. That's a side note. I hope mm-hmm. y'all got that. Those gems from me and it. So I've been talking to my therapist because sometimes when Eb and I fight. I go into silent mode. Like I'm just, I think it's, it functions as my trauma of being in past emotionally abusive relationships or stuff with my parents or maybe how they yelled at me and how that's how I handled it or handle stress is that I just go silent. So Eb and I will have an argument and I just won't talk anymore. Um, and Eb has always asked me, it's probably the only partner that has all that has asked me is like, Erica, like, why do you do that? Like, why don't you just tell me what's wrong? Because it'll go like this. Erica, Ebony will say, what's up? And I'll say, nothing. What's say, he'll say, clearly there's something, what's up? And I'm like, there's nothing wrong. Like, whatever. Like, forget about it. And then 15, about it 15 hours that. later, shut up, 15 hours later or the next day, I'll say, you know what? What you did yesterday really upset me. And it's like, I won't just say it immediately. So as this person who has you know, done lots of activism work, has posited herself using her body as a way to really raise awareness and also call out the systems that impact my body. Um, I won't call out specific people. Like I have a real fear of calling, I'll call out institutions, I'll call out the company. And even sometimes I won't call out the company. 
Um, no. Because I'll be fa- a fa- a fr- I'm literally afraid to call out companies. So using white supremacy is easier than saying the p- specific organization that harmed me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm and you've been working around like my therapist was like, okay, so your work is to call out these you know, organizations, your work is to raise awareness that racism is impacting and playing a role. And it's important that people know who is being, you know, an issue, Mm -hmm. but you won't say anything. And I was like, and that is correct. Like I just, I'll say something. Your work is to dismantle systems. My work is to dismantle systems of oppression. And one way to do that is to call out the people that are not interested in doing that or perpetuate systems of oppression, right? Carry out the institutions. That's what I told you. But I have a profound fear of doing that, of calling mm-hmm. out people. Yeah. And I love what you said the other day was like, how, you know, it's not lost on you that people don't call out their abusers or they don't, they take a long time to call out their abusers. And, 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 and they, people take a long time to call out racism, like this new Andre Talley documentary mm-hmm. where he talks about all this racism that's happened to him. And he's calling people out. And this is like, oh, after years and years and years of experiencing racism, now he's talking about Sparingly. it. Right. And abuse is different, but it's still mm-hmm. trauma, it's right? Trauma, yes. It's still trauma. So it's racism. It's trauma. And it takes you so long to live it out. It's another function of the system working exactly how it's supposed to work. It's that you don't call that out. You hold it as a secret. You'll talk about your trauma. You'll talk about being emotionally abused, but you'll never say the person's name that did it. You'll just talk about your experience so it makes a difference for other people. Mm -hmm. You'll talk about your experience with racism, but you'll never mention who harmed you Mm -hmm. specifically. Mm -hmm. Right? And maybe it's a whole host of people that have harmed you, but you'll never say, this motherfucker actually harmed me Mm -hmm. and it wasn't okay. Mm -hmm. Right? It's always, this is my pain and this is the... You follow me? Yeah. So this is what I've been working through. I've been one... Like, when Ebony... Ebony is the kind of person that will literally go off on somebody. Like I've never dated someone that if anyone tried to like touch my body or talk to me in a particular way, Ebony is literally right there being like, what's up? Like, why are you talking to her like that? Or why are you touching her? Or don't do that. Like, don't do that. If someone is doing something harmful to someone else that has nothing to do with me or Ebony, Ebony is the first person to step in and say something. I have never dated someone so outspoken ever in my life or even really known someone so outspoken. So it's hard for me that sometimes we'll be in public and he wants to pop off on people like this whole weekend in Provincetown and even with the TSA agent, we could talk about that too. Yeah. And Boston is like, he wants to pop off on people and I'm like, wait, babe, like don't. Where like my own stuff gets in the way in that moment. Like my own, I, I don't even know what you would call it. I don't know if it's like internalized it's just trauma. It's just trauma. It's just babe. I'm afraid if I say something, then something worse is going to happen. If I call out the institutions that have harmed me, I am not going to have a job anymore. And that's generally speaking how that goes. People yes. are not going to want to work with Erica anymore because she calls out institutions. Ain't that it's, some shit? It ain't just because she calls out institutions. Mm-hmm. Why else is it? Massage noir. <laughs> You always talk about that. You've been talking about that for months. Massage of The The landscape like for black, black films, mm-hmm. the shelf life for black films in the pu- black films in the public eye is short. Mm-hmm. It's short for no reason. Um, 
but no reason other than a profound hatred for black films mm-hmm. um, and a desire to only have them seen and shown or heard when it benefits a white person. Yeah. Whether that be indirectly or directly. Yeah. I have to hold hella space for white people and white institutions doing their best, quote unquote. Yeah. In at the expense of being harmed. Yeah. And being used and being cast away and not being asked for gigs and not being asked for conferences and just oh, I heard this great term from this person I was meeting with the other day. Tell me more about it in this crowd full of a thousand people where I wasn't right. invited. Right. And it's not like I'm just hella outspoken. I, I'm i also conditioned to fear white people. Mm-hmm. And I've something that growing up, especially growing up in East Oakland, you know, you can't be, there's about seven different synonyms for the word scared. Yeah, scary. Scary. You a mark. <laughs> you a sucker. You a punk. You and you mm-hmm. you went out. You you know what I mean. Oh. You you know what I mean. You went out. You hella scary. You this and you that. Like so that is something I've grown. I want to be the antithesis of that. Mm-hmm. So me being outspoken is just like me also trying to like work out all the times where there was no space for me to be afraid mm-hmm. or for me to be fearful of anything mm-hmm. uh, unless I be seen as. A mark, yeah, or a bitch, or a sucker, or a punk, yeah. Um, and even inside of my masculinity, some of that comes from that, yeah. Um, even as a very young person, even though I didn't necessarily identify as a man then, I was hella ma- that I identified with my masculinity without having a language of identify with my masculinity. Mm-hmm. But I knew that it was some affront to it mm-hmm. if I was to be like, I'm actually afraid, or I think this white person is going to take something away from me. Mm-hmm. You know, even now in doing business dealings with white people, I'm almost like, tr- I'm, I'm afraid of them sometimes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I am the 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 dot like white, especially white cis women, they dominate me a lot of times with the innocence that I believe that they have. That or like that so I've good. been conditioned to think they have. It's so so sometimes I'll be like, you know, usually I'm very outspoken. I'm you know, mm-hmm. but sometimes I'll try to figure out like, well, how do I make them feel better? Or mm. I'm the type of person that's uncomfortable with silence. So I'll speak through their discomfort. Mm. You know what I mean? Instead of just like being silent. And letting them, you know, deal with their own discomfort. I'll try to find a way to fix it. I'll try to find a way to resolve it. Mm-hmm. So it's in no way, shape, or form me being, oh, hella outspoken. You know, I'm just the 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 motherfucking, you know, Mr. T of the year. I'm just, you know what I mean, hella lion-hearted. Like, yeah. I, it's, it's all, white supremacy is fear-based. Yeah. That's how you carry it out. That's how you got a mob of people coming through, to, you know, torching a whole neighborhood. It wasn't like... Fear enabled them to do that. Was attack that was the the um, intention was to make them afraid, mm. also to kill them and to harm them and obliterate their neighbor. power. But right. it's also like how well how else do you carry that out? You yeah. have to instill fear. Yeah. Um. And I think that's the thing that I'm present to and listening to you talk is like white people are hella violent. That's one thing we got. White people are violent as fuck. They are. And I think we got to just knock the hood off of that. Yeah. I mean, we've been pathologized so much. Like, in my classrooms, people always love to pathologize black and brown bodies. And we did a whole podcast about Mm -hmm. that. And it's like, you just have to stop. Like, white white people, whiteness has to be broken open. Mm -hmm. Like, it really does. It does. Yes. Whiteness is a condition. Whiteness is a condition. It is. So, in this month of... 
where coming out is been contested with, right? People say you don't have to come out, which you do not. Um, you do not have to come out. You do not have to talk about you being queer or or a lesbian or gay or bisexual or pansexual or, or demisexual, whatever. You don't have to come out, come out about any of those things. But it is celebrated still if you do. And I think in the month of June, it's so interesting to kind of talk about coming out in ways that actually call out, mm-hmm. right? And it's like coming out is good, but call out is bad. Like, we don't want to talk about, like, call-out culture. We want it to be, like, more, like, call-in or, like, call-under or call-around because, Mm -hmm. like, that's better. It's, like, better for whom? Yeah. If I don't call you out, then what happens? What happens to me? If I call you in, are you actually going to do anything? Yeah. It's, like, even in the, you harm me, and now what I'm supposed to do is call you in in some gentle-ass way. That's what I've been talking about. I'm, like... I'm supposed to be hella quiet. White people looking at me. I'm at TSA in Boston, minding my own business. I go up to the TSA agent, white cis man. He looking at me like I just fucking won the damn Super Bowl over the damn New England Patriots or some shit or Boston or I was LeBron or some shit because the Boston (laughs) Celtics just got their ass whipped. Like he looking at me like I'm the and people in Boston are weak, like so like vehement about sports. Like they crazy about that shit. They love niggas with these balls. They don't love niggas in real life. Um, (laughs) So I'm, you know, just minding my business. I go up to him. He's already looking stank. So I'm like, you know, just passing on my stuff um and he's like just looking at me hella stank and then he snatches my boarding pass out my hand i didn't say anything and then he's like that's it and i go and i just walk literally the white lady behind us with dreadlocks with dreadlocks oh here you go oh how you doing (laughs) oh how's it going Mm mm-hmm and I just lost my shit. So I get to talking all loud. Yeah, that's Ebony. I get to talking all loud. Mm-hmm. Like, how is that so? I'm like, wow. <laughs> and then Erica's like, are you? So tell them, yo, what you was doing. And I said, are you instigating this right now? And I replied, yes. Yeah. And it's not that I was instigating. It's just like, wow. Yeah. And then you asked me, like, what stops me in that moment? What from stops the- you in the moment from saying something to that person? Like, not, not walking away, but I watched him snatch that out of your hand. Mm-hmm. And what stops me from saying something to him? Like, why'd you just do that? Like, why'd you just snatch that? But you know what my fear is to a TSA agent is I'm going to be arrested. Mm-hmm. Is that I'm not going to be able to go home. And all I want to do is get the fuck out of here. Like, I want to go home. Yeah. So it's like, instead of calling your ass out, I am, what, what is, it's like fractions, right? Mm. Home, home over arrested. Right. Always. Carry the one. Always. (laughs) And get me the fuck out. But at the same, but it's, it's the same reason. It's fear. Yeah. It's fear. And Uh, this is, and people, I think people don't talk about, um, radical uh, activists in these ways enough is that Malcolm X and Martin Luther King, they were all used in this. They were all murdered to send a message and it worked. Yeah. And it worked. It was highly, def- it was highly Murder effective. Murder is highly effective. Murder is highly effective. It worked. Mm-hmm. You said, you, you saying, you, you, you are saying that I can have all of this language that I could actually be out here doing shit, changing the world. And guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to fucking kill you. So why the fuck would I say anything about anybody? Why would I talk? 
But that's my thing. It's like inside of me, it's like I'm getting to the point where it's like I'll be having a thought in my brain. It's like, should I just like knock the TSA agent out? I literally will be having that thought. Mm -hmm. I'll be and that'll go like the image of me doing that goes through like a little screen in my head. And it's like I'm weighing whether or not to knock him out. Oh, my Lord, Ebony. Erica, but that's the thing is like, oh my lord, Ebony, but like not But not don't be violent. I'm saying why not say just don't But that's the thing I'm always, even the day before with the lady looking at me and all the people gawking at us. Like I'm always being quiet. Right. I'm always weighing my options. I'm always having to figure out how to navigate and how to be such that I don't go to jail or get killed. Or have a, I can, it, well, black so people damned if you do, damned if you don't. Totally. I could be black and not doing shit, being totally silent. Or yeah. I could be black minding my business. I could be black socking a TSA agent. I'm going to get harmed regardless. Yeah. It's I'm going to get harmed regardless. I literally, I'm going to be harmed regardless. So yeah. that's why I was telling him, like, it's going to get to a point. And I just want to know how. I sometimes I think about my ancestors. I'm like, I don't know how. I don't know how. Because it's all balled up inside of me. And I don't know how many other people, black people especially, that walk around with this every day. Well, when I was leading the workshop at Women of Color Workshop, there was someone that was saying that in Provincetown, someone related to her as the help. Someone walked up to her at a restaurant and was like, oh, are you, can I get drinks from you? And she was like, no, I don't work here. And what she wanted to do is go off on him. Like she wanted to literally scream at him, but she was like, and this is what she said in the workshop. She was like, but I didn't want to come across as the angry black woman. And it's like how the damage that that does to our body, right? That we just hold anger in, Mm -hmm. that we don't say anything because fear of being considered angry black woman, because it's so beyond, it's so beyond being considered something, right? Like white people freak out about being considered racist. But even though if someone considers you a racist, you can still get a job. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You can still be president of the United States. Mm -hmm. If someone considers me angry black woman, it's a wrap. I don't get gigs. Mm -mm. You know, like my dad, my dad tells me, used to tell me this all the time. Was like, Erica, I just don't want you to be so angry. He tells me that. He tells me that because he knows what happens to black femmes when they're angry. Mm-hmm. He doesn't tell me that because he inside of some sort of, and that's where gender gets so complex, right? Is inside of this, like, he doesn't tell me that, like, this is how women are supposed to act. This is how black women are supposed to act. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's just, it's wild to me. It's wild. Uh, it's, and I, you know, I'm stuck. Like, I'm stuck by it, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm honestly stuck. There's lots of people that I want to just call the fuck out, and I'm nervous about it. Mm-hmm. I'm nervous about it. Like, I'll tell you, don't donate to LGBT um, corporate uh, organizations. Mm-hmm. And why you shouldn't do that is because I used to work at one. That was horrid. And I learned all about LGBT corporate organizations and how they do not give a fuck about anybody that's LGBTQ. It's all a ruse. All a ruse. They do not care. They care about money. They care about their salaries. And they make lots of money. If you are a freelancer or someone who works out in the world for yourself and there's this whole rhetoric around nonprofits not having any money, child, please. Nonprofits have so much money. Yeah. 
And people just give them money, buckets of money, especially LGBT nonprofits, because they got some sort of heterosexual guilt Mm -hmm. and they just want to give and give and give their money, especially Mm -hmm. famous people. They'll give their money to those big time corporate organizations Mm -hmm. so they can look like they did something. Mm -hmm. And all that profits are those 50 staff people who work there. Yeah. That's it. And probably not even half of them profit. Right. And right. They barely get any money. And all of them are white. All of them. Yeah. Most of the people who work at corporate LGBT organizations are white. So if you are not talking about racism this month, forget about it. Forget about it. You cannot not talk about racism inside of the queer community. But you, you can cannot. talk about come out culture. Call you can, out culture. Right. You want to talk, you want me to, you want it to sound good. Me calling you out, but you don't want to deal with the violence this way. You want me to come out. Right. You, but you want me to come out. But I can't call you out. That's correct. That's correct. You want it to be all rainbow. Yeah. You want it to be all rainbow this month. Mm-hmm. All fun, hold hands. Yeah. Kiki. Let me just read all these out because if this gets stolen, we could we could timestamp it. So are you going to talk about the organization that you work for? I don't mean to put you on the spot, but we can't start recording just because I got that question. I mean, we could. I could edit it, but. So the organization I work for was Glisten. Which mm-hmm. I don't know if it they changed the acronym or not, but it used to be considered the gay, lesbian, straight, something education uh, educational network. network. Right, mm-hmm. right. I'm forgetting the, the acronym. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I worked there for uh, six months, and I was incredibly harmed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was I went there under the guise of, oh, it's an LGBT organization. They're not going to harm me mm-hmm. because I'm queer. It's like, oh, my queerness is going to trump my blackness, mm-hmm. which is just totally not the case ever. Mm-hmm. And I would come home. I was dating Evan at the time. And like I would come home pretty much every day and would be insanely upset. Yeah. And I was ostracized and just treated like literally like crap. Mm-hmm. And like I didn't have 10 years of experience in sex ed. The people that worked there literally had no understanding of people on the ground. Um they centered white identities with covering up with like putting black and brown youth at the front, like covers because that's like diversity, right? That's what people think is diversity. Mm-hmm. It's like, here's a picture of a black person, but we're still actually going to be centering white people. Mm-hmm. Um, th- you know, so much money goes into these places and none of it benefits the community at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just, it, it was, it was eye opening and, disheartening heart broke it was it broke my heart um and i just never ever ever want people to donate to those organizations and m- the unfortunate thing about the story is that glisten is not the only place that does this no glad to, and I, i'm glisten is not the only place that does this and i'm not the only black person to have this experience at glisten mm-hmm. or have this experience at any lgbt corporate organization right so glad hrc human rights watch or human rights commission commission some shit like some that, shit like that. hrc Campaign. is how people know them right uh-huh Glad, um, it, it just if it's corporate, if it makes a ton of money, and you should be looking up these things. You can if, look up Form Nine Nineties. Yes, Form Nine Nineties to see how much money mm-hmm, they make, and that mm-hmm. should tell you if they actually need your money or it not. It itemizes it to tell you even how much the by law the ED has. to Yes, so tell a lot you how of the time the EDs at these places make upwards of three hundred thousand dollars or more. Mm-hmm. So you don't need to donate your money there. They're actually going to be fine without you. Yeah. Um, and if enough 
people stop, then the organization will cease to exist. Yeah. And I think that it, the organization makes a difference for people, but there's other organizations that make way more of a difference. And that's the thing about the nonprofit industrial complex is that it's just supposed to keep existing and existing and existing, never actually changing or ending the conditions mm-hmm. that have it exist. And so you want to just make sure that you're not contributing to organizations that are just interested in keeping this um, issue alive. Yeah. And your reservations around talking about that are no different than people's reservations about pride. Yeah. It's no different or about coming out. Yeah. It's no different. It's like people, it's totally the same. Whenever I work with young people and they talk about coming out, they're always like, people are going to hate me. Mm-hmm. People are not going to be my friend anymore. Mm-hmm. People are going to think I'm lying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People are going to, you know, harm me. Mm-hmm. And I have the same stuff about it. Like, yeah. we're going to release this and I'm going to be terrified. I'm not. I know you're not. I think my thing is to, and I'm just going back to the internet. What's the point of all this internet, social media? Like, the, the title of this podcast could have been Congratulatory, Agridizing, and Gross. Yeah. White social media activism. Yeah. Like, what's the point of it all? What is the point of social... It's like a sort of materialism inside of social media, mm-hmm. social justice activism. Like, what is becoming the point? Yeah. Like, people got their hot takes that they give for a second mm-hmm. in response to something that happens, and then it's done. Yeah. And it's never to be spoken about again, and it's opportunistic. Yeah. It's like what and I guess that's my thing is like what what's the what's the point if people aren't then being called to shift their alliances with these people? Mm-hmm. The FBI has a pride like banner, like yeah. talking about the FBI celebrates LGBTQ people. And, but then the Supreme Court ruled in favor of the baker who said that they wouldn't make the wedding cake for the gay couple. In Colorado. And the, the ruling was that the Colorado Commission uh, for Civil Rights showed animus mm-hmm. towards the baker's religious beliefs. Yep. And I have animus shown against me on a daily basis based on my skin color and i have no i can't find a supreme court ruling that would then say like oh yeah like it's okay for mm-hmm. people to describe and and the cold part is is that in the one of the justices opinions the justice was like you know we you know we um we believe that the that like LGBTQ people have the right to um, marry. Like mm-hmm. the same sex marriages is great. Like, but you were, but this person's religious beliefs were infringed upon. Then you don't believe it. Like they literally said the state of Colorado infringed upon the Baker's religious beliefs. <laughs> but oh then also God. said at the same time, we celebrate and we support mm-hmm. The court, the highest court in this country, supports same-sex marriage. Mm-hmm. It's gaslighting. It's violent. It's so violent. Here's some organizations y'all could support. Um, you can support the Trans Women of Color Collective. You can support the Global Action Project. You can support the Trans Student Educational Resource. Those are the folks that created the Gender Unicorn. I use their work all of the time. 
Um, there's lots of organizations you support. We will include it in the newsletter. More organizations. Yes. Um, I put these on my my Instagram, but I'll just say them again. Lots of police presence at Pride. Just remember that. Um, if you are a Pride organizer or you are a volunteer of Pride, do not support calling the police on people at Pride if they're protesting. Under any circumstances. None whatsoever. Let them protest. It is a protest. It is not a march for corporations. It's a protest. So there was an incident at, um, it wasn't no fucking incident, really. The people were protesting Pride last year, and NYC Pride actually called the police. They said they give them 10 minutes, and they didn't get up after 10 minutes because that's not how a protest works. And then they called the police and, and had them removed. Yeah, and they said, you know, I was really disheartened by what happened to the, you know, Black Pride 4 in Columbus. But, you know, I thought this was the best decision that we could make. <laughs> You know, we definitely respect the protesters. So we talk, we have conversations like this that are very harrowing. And we have them often. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if people know that. I don't know if people know that we continuously petition on behalf of black liberation. And people keep telling us in no uncertain terms or in some weird ass roundabout way. That they don't care. Yeah. That they're going to keep doing what they want to do. That they want to build relationships with the community, with the police and the community. Yes. But the community is saying, we do not want the police, but you want to build relationships with both. Okay. And and I think it's great. You know, the gaslighting is a term, but I just, I, you said this to me before, there has to be another term. There has for to be another what time. we experience with racism. I feel like I'm trapped. Yeah. Like, even with the, um, this is maybe jumping ahead, but I don't think so. The Kim Kardashian stuff is like people saying that what she did made a difference and makes a difference. It's like, it's wild to me. It's so wild. Yeah. <laughs> but the same people who are saying what she's doing, making a difference, have never heard of Angela Davis or Michelle Alexander or have ever donated money to mom, like to mama bailouts or to just black bailout date. None of that stuff. Don't know Mm-mm. any work by any of these people, Mm-mm. but think that Kim K, what she did is a great thing. Or that even donating money is sufficient. Because it's all about talking. All Kim Kardashian did is she went to Trump and she talked. Did she protest outside the White House until he pardoned that person? She didn't no. have to protest. She was offered an invitation. She asked. she asked to go. Yeah, and her invitation was granted. Yeah, she asked to go. You know how many people asked to go to the White House? No, nobody knows. Just Kim Kardashian is trying to go to the White House, Ebony. It's nobody uh, else people- trying to go. No one else is doing any work on the ground. It's just Kim Kardashian. That's it. She uses her fame for good. Don't you see that? Honor my opinion. <laughs> I don't know. <sighs> it's kind of like, okay, where, where... Where do we go from here? No, not even where we go from here. I'm just thinking but even about my experience at TSA. After the experience of having the shit snatched by the white dude, by the white agent, and I'm in line, and I am... You know, I'm wearing... So binders are insanely uncomfortable, but... Um, where I'm at with my dysphoria right now, I have to wear them. Sometimes I feel more comfortable not wearing them, but 
either way it goes, it's not very comfortable to wear them at the airport. You know, at the airport, you want to be hella comfortable, but I like, fuck it. So I'm like, I'm trying to just get through this experience without being harmed. Doesn't usually work. I get misgendered often mm-hmm. going through um, the airport. So I'm walking through the motherfucking thing. And after that experience, I'm all, you know, upset and shit. So I got my wallet, phone, everything in my pocket still. And so I, the TSA agent tapped me and was like, ma'am, ma'am. Mm-hmm. She, first of all, she touched me. She couldn't see my face. Mind you, I'm turned. My back is turned. This person. She can't see my face or anything. Ma'am, ma'am. And I don't know who she's talking to, but I know she's talking to me. But sometimes I'm like, who you talking to? Mm-hmm. Maybe if I feel like who they talking to, they'll, you know, change course in their misgendering. They never do. Mm-hmm. They keep going. Mm-hmm. I turn around, I look at her, and she's like, you need to put your phone back in the, um, back in the, um, Scan. scanner. And I was like, handing my phone to the other agent who was at the scanner. He's about to take it. And then she, interjected was like no no you need to go back to the back of the line i said uh first of all those aren't my pronouns yeah after that i was like all right i was gonna let it pass sometimes i get misgendered and i'm just so dismayed by it i just be like whatever or desensitized to it actually not Mm -hmm. even dismayed it's like whatever i was like first of all those aren't my pronouns second of all i whatever don't i'm thinking to myself don't talk to me like that yeah so then she's like, oh, I'm very sorry. I'm very sorry. Then I come back in line. She's like reiterating, oh, I really apologize about that. <laughs> but when I was just a presumable black femme I woman, need- however, you th- however you think I identify, ma'am, mm-hmm. it's go to the back of the line talking to me like I'm a piece of trash. Mm-hmm. Now I'm trans. It matters. Now I'm trans. I get an apology. Why? Because it's June. The TSA stands with pride. <laughs> Probably. Well, they just had a gender workshop. They didn't have no fucking gender workshop. It doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter if you have a gender workshop or a racial justice workshop. If you're an asshole, it don't, it's not going to help. <laughs> it's not going to help if you're an asshole. And this is why I think, y'all, I'm miffed with white people get so angry. I read so many comments. Um, I have a project that I'm working on. And I may disclose it soon, um, but it's dealing in white people's violence. Mm. Um, it's just, yes, all white people in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's, it's this everyday, the people everyday say that white on my, person. People say that a lot on my Instagram. And I'm just, if you're listening to this and um, you may have commented this way or you've commented this way on other people's social media or maybe you said it in, you know, in just in person, in public. It's like not all white people or you found some other way to say not all white people are, oh my God, Trump. Stop saying that. Mm-hmm. Like really just look to yourself and your own internalized dominance, which all white people have. Mm-hmm. All of them. Mm-hmm. And anytime you're out here trying to correct what a black person is doing, that is inside of your internalized dominance. Pretty much always because there is always some white person that you could be talking to and correcting. Always. But you won't, because you, you don't won't. get a lot of likes for doing that. Right. You don't yes. get to sell your t-shirt for doing that. Yes. Or your choker that says, fuck racism on it. Yes. Oh, yeah. You don't that get choker. to sell your hat. Yeah. It's so many white people I could call out by name. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, and I want people to know this, whenever, uh, especially black and P- non-black PLC, when white people come talking that shit to you, talking about Trump this and times like these, just realize that all they're saying is that Trump is more important to white people than he is to marginalized people. Yeah. 
Trump is more necessary to them. The idea, the figurehead, the the deity, the 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 imaginative figure, the boogeyman, the monster under the bed. That's for them. Yeah, they need a monster under the bed. Yeah, even though they the monster, they sleeping in it. They are the monster. <laughs> they are my, in the bed. In the bed, <laughs> but they need a boogeyman of some sort. They need some type of demagogue. <laughs> they need something. By which to juxtapose their violence and to lessen it. Yeah. It was us. Yeah, it we was, was the us. monster. It was us, as Bell Hook says. You see how I just cited her? I just cited her work. Bell Hook says mm. that about white you women. You do that all the time. Yes. You cite people all the time. All the time. White women, they will say, oh, black women are so strong. They're so powerful. Wow. And they do that. And that's where the narrative comes from that wherever you see black, strong black woman and people saying that, like, that's a nice thing. They're just saying that so they never have to deal with their own internalized violence. Mm-hmm. When, it's when, that com- when that's coming from a white person. Because oftentimes, you could just be black and walk into a room and say hello, and people are like, oh my God, such a strong black woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so all I said was hello. You don't know what I'm dealing with. Why? What are you talking about? I'm, gr- I'm, I'm not strong. I'm right? Like, I'm um, I don't even bench press. So Ebony could keep talking forever, so I have to like cut him off at some points here. Um, he's looking at me like upset, like, what did I miss? He's trying to figure out what he missed so he I can throw it in here. Nothing. But we just, we, we're going to end it here. No, we're not. We're not? No, we're oh, we going got to more our, to say? Yep. Oh. Erica Yang did these tips. I did do those, Ev. <laughs> I did. This is what happens when you start at the end of the list. and I did those tips. You going the wrong way? You going the wrong way? Facials, <laughs> baby. one thing that i did want to say is that we are traveling to nashville tennessee this weekend because i will be speaking at bonnaroo and some of the comments on the picture that i'm on on their on the instagram site are very very negative so it's making me very nervous for speaking at bonnaroo uh and i know bonnaroo is a largely white um, music, festival music festival in Tennessee, random like bumblefuck. And it's like not even in Nashville. It's not outside even where of Baby Nashville. Mother from, which is Chattanooga. It's in Chattanooga. That's where Baby Mother is from. I oh, just want to bring up Baby Mother because I love her. Oh my Call God, come <laughs> Okay, uh, you keep hitting all the people. You drive me nuts. Just you kidding. do that every day, Polly. Just kidding. That's um, not true. So we're dri- <laughs> We're we're going. We're going to. Tennessee and we just ask for your traveling mercies um, and to send us love and to send us support and if you know people who are going to Bonnaroo send them to the consent workshops that I'll be doing it's the first of its kind happening at a music festival to my understanding Um, if you are a music festival and you are listening to this and you're like oh my god I want Erica to do consent workshops because people have hella sex and they touch people hella fucking inappropriately at music festivals and newsflash newsflash so you want to have consent and it's a lot of people congregating anytime there's a lot of people congregating without you don't even need the presence of sex consent is necessary because Period. people think that you could just touch people without ever asking them if that's something that they want yeah. so that's what we're going to be talking about in inside of this conversation of pride and racism and anti-black racism you know that this is going to be a challenging venture for me it's probably going to be maybe close to one of the largest groups I've ever spoken to. Um, so just, you know, send love throughout the week. I'll do a post about it. Um, but just shout out to doing this and to my manager for making this opportunity happen. My manager who is downright and dirty 
Ebony Donnelly. Yes. I appreciate being at Bonnaroo, but at the same time, I'm just also... you nervous. No, I'm not nervous. I'm just irritated at people's treatments of black people. Yes. And I think that's just what I'm present to. And if you, this, this podcast is it's what we didn't say. Yeah. This whole Hope podcast is full of this, what was not said. It's re, you have to and read I'm between pissed. the lines. You have to read between the lines. I don't like that. But the, but the thing is, is you don't like that, but we are trying to still have goddamn jobs. Well, okay. Have jobs. What is like, have jobs. What working with white people who also perpetuate systems of oppression inside the institution. First of all, people talk about institutions, institutionalized institute. France Fannin. I'll, I cite my sources too. France, France Fanon always talks about, and if you don't know who France Fanon is, is the author of Wretched of the Earth, Black Skin, White Mask, uh, just a prominent Algerian uh, scholar, revolutionary, um, who is now an ancestor. Talks about institutions. People, institutions don't, you can't see an institution. You can mm-hmm. see the facility in which the institution is housed. Mm-hmm. You can see a school building. That is an institution. You can see the White House. That is a government institution. But you can't see the institution. Humans carry out the institution. Right. Through the things that they say, through the things that they do, through language, through culture. Right. They make the institution. Humans, we make institutions real. Yeah. We have to, we are responsible for carrying them out and making sure that they still exist. Yeah. So it's like white people get on social media, they talk hella shit, they steal people's posts, they say intersectional feminism, they say all the other types of social justice jargon, they get a whole bunch of likes for it, or they sell some fucking merchandise, and they feel great. Mm-hmm. And nothing changes. Nothing. Even in their outrage, even in their indignation, they benefit. They benefit if they political. They they benefit if they're apolitical. They benefit if they white supremacists. They benefit if they on the left, if they neoliberal, if they're libertarian, if they're independent. They just benefit because yeah. it's all designed for them and they won't cede any power to any marginalized group because they don't want to stop benefiting. Yep. So your fave that's making fucking t-shirts and hats and shit. And working at that publication. And working at Conde fucking Nas mm-hmm. inside of that fucking building, mm-hmm. DMing a, a a black or non black POC talking about hey I love your work I love you, but ain't did shit for you. Go off. Want to invite the most light skinned person to the event and put them on the platform? All the while talking in your DMs telling you they love you and your work. Whereas they gonna be on the fucking panel But no other black people are Or the black people that they wanna be there Or the acceptable and agreeable niggas Is on there The ones that they can count on to say intersectional feminism Vest With blue vests and shit Who don't have to worry about paying their bills cause they alright with, with White people being able to do whatever they wanna do And say whatever they wanna say But inside of social justice that's the craziest thing to me Yeah, That is the definition of the matrix Yeah that's why I'm like, sometimes I don't even know. That's, y'all think, y'all wonder why I won't have an Instagram. For what? Yeah. So I could get a whole bunch of likes and people still die. People in immigration custody dying. Every day somebody fucking dying from just existing and living and breathing in the body that they was born in. Like, I, it, what's the point? What's the point of all of this stuff? There's no point to it. 
If you're not fucking calling people out, if you're not saying, hey, I know you love my work, but you're aligned with a really shitty person who calls themselves a turf. Or a corporation that's fucking, you know, that's talking about Pride Month, but it's funded by conservative LG, conservative anti-LGBT groups. Like, until people are starting to have those conversations, you still, until those conversations start happening, we're going to be stuck inside of a cycle of let's have a conversation. Let's forward the conversation. Oh, we should be having these type of conversations. And I think it's just great to elevate these type of conversations and provide a platform and an outlet for these type of conversations. And I really love these conversations. These conversations are great. I really love conversations because conversations allow me to keep talking and actually benefit from talking, but not actually doing anything. And as long as the systems exist, I have something to talk about, I have something to be outraged about. And I can be a good white person because without good white people, without a system, there is no such thing as good white people if there's no trump there's no good white people there's only bad white people and i'm actually you know i'm i'm the one who's doing the work and i got my um five pound weight and you know i'm doing the work you're not doing the work black person who works for me at this um nonprofit where you know somebody said white people were slaves and nobody said anything to them and white people said a whole bunch of violent stuff about indigenous people and nobody said anything to them and no we don't call it just lives in my head it just keeps going Keeps going, keeps going. And people just online. And people just online and they type their shit and they say, I love your work. I love everything you do. It's so great. Oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Oh, yeah, you're my inspiration, my hero, but I'm so tired of you talking about race. Oh, yeah, I really love you. I want you to come to this play that my friend is doing. About black male gay. Oh, yeah, because I love black people. But come to the panel. You want a ticket? 2023. 24, 2023, 2024, 20, 2050. Oh, you want to go to the panel? A lot of black people did, but we can have a panel talking about their experience, their lived experience that you never had. That we never had. We can talk about Meghan Markle. Oh, no. Hey, other white people, like, or anybody else, like, don't, you know, talk bad about the royal wedding. Meghan Markle, I have nothing against you because you're black and I can't say anything overtly bad about black people. I can just, like, steal all their ideas and their thought processes that they actually had to intellectualize in order to deal with the pain. And it became, like, a whole epistemology around black intellectual thought around our pain. And, and then we had this thing called Black Twitter where we, like, eh, turn our pain into humor um, and that people pillage to use for writings on shows. So, yeah, I really care about black people. I really care about black liberation. I really care. And um, I'm, tired you, of, I'm tired of white people. I just I have to just say it, and I'm just going to be free in my saying it. I'm tired of whiteness, and I'm tired of white people carrying out the institution of whiteness, and I'm tired of them carrying out the institution of white supremacy and doing so in a way that is so clever and doing so in a way that is so lucrative and so revenue-generating. Um, almost to be unrecognizable as the white supremacy that it is. Because mm. they're a feminist. Because they're <laughs> queer. <laughs> 
Happy Pride. Pride. <laughs>